It's the same old story. It's been a long day at the job, or maybe it's just starting to feel long, and you feel that urge to stretch your legs and get a little bit of a break. You walk down the street, or maybe you get behind the wheel of your car, and you feel the weight begin to lift. You walk through the doors, and the sound of the place starts to clear the air. You get a table, you order your drink, you listen to the sounds of the bar, and soak in the conversation. Welcome to the TNE Speakeasy with your hosts, Caleb and Isaac. Listen in as they discuss a variety of topics, such as modern animation, She Hulk, and Encanto. It's the Ice King from uh, Adventure Time. It's, uh, we're doing a little a little bonus tie-in in Adventure Time episode. Here we go. <laughs> okay. Well. Okay. Well, just I'm I'm just like uh, don't nobody get any like ideas. I'm I'm he, if he does an Adventure Time thing, that's that's all on him, not me. I'm not <laughs> I'm not joining that that series. Oh, uh, you you don't like that show? <laughs> uh, I probably would probably would but i don't know like if we would do everything most of the time like we would probably do like at least on this channel we would do but this better go at the end um i'd <laughs> rather like do things that are completed and not very long running i say mm. that and we're gonna do samurai jack <laughs> which is five seasons but like yeah and somewhat somewhat seven seasons or maybe eight i guess for the netflix show of avatar so I guess yeah no that's fair I, I it's just like they're they're different enough but maybe I'm being a little yeah. too harsh and I didn't watch uh, Adventure Time when I well when it was you know well first off it wasn't even on in, I don't know if it aired on any Canadian television stations like when it was released in like the 2010s so and by that point I was also like not wa well watching cartoons and also not watching new cartoons I was looking at like mm -hmm. old stuff. Such as Korra, for instance, <laughs> uh, and watching, and like I said, a lot more, getting a lot more into anime uh, at that time, thanks to you as well. Uh, so yeah, Adventure Time just wasn't on my mind at that time. It was like, oh, it's just a new show that's enough for me. Like, not, it's it's for the kids nowadays, and they'll appreciate. Somebody's gonna have their own podcast like we do now, where they'll go in depth into like each episode of Adventure Time and appreciate it even more and dissect it more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think one, Adventure Time was one of those shows where it wasn't just uh, reaching like a youth audience, but adults too were, were coming to it and really getting into the vibe of it. Yeah, it's probably a lot better than Avatar, I'll, I will admit. Well, uh, it's different, but it's... I think that's the wrong mentality of like, I don't think yeah. it's better. I think it's just like, they're obviously different. It's just, you know, yeah. uh, who... I guess it's popularity of like what's more popular with the peoples. I think both are popular with like the millennials and the Gen Zs and the alphas. Yeah. And again, they're aiming for pretty different uh, veins in storytelling, but they're both really interesting. And uh, I, just just to say, I I don't have any interest in doing a full Adventure Time series. That would take up way too much time. But 
I wouldn't mind covering an episode or here, or, or two here or there, maybe on the other feed. Oh, fair enough. If somebody, you know, requests it, of course. Yeah. And one of the fun th things about that show, too, is it's actually uh, each episode is two stories that are like uh, about 10 minutes long or so. So they it, it brings a nice variety in that regard. Because each episode, you've got two different kind of veins of storytelling, too. Well, once again, I show my uh, ignorance and distaste for uh, the new new Tens shows. Uh, apologies. <laughs> but uh, there you go. I've been played. I'm a bigot when it comes to that kind of animation. <laughs> I, I still don't agree with some of the designs, or at least the practice. Okay, maybe it's stupid of me, but like the whole CalArts design of that show, where you just take two circles and then you make a face. <laughs> Well, I guess that, yeah, that's that's fair. That's, that's a fair. petty, petty argument. <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah, no, I, maybe maybe I'm not for that show, or maybe I am. I don't know. Yeah, you know, you keep an open mind. You you might be might be charmed. I'm sounding very close-minded. I will fully admit. Yeah, and I remember really thinking that the music was one of the really strong suits of that show. It was one of those shows that I would only watch with headphones because it had such a rich um, kind of soundscape to it. This is this is so. Oh, sorry, finish. Oh, I, I was just gonna derail back to the episode, but but go ahead. <laughs> this was okay. This is so like random and off topic, but like going back to when I was dissing the new Super Mario Brothers movie, mm. I didn't watch any. I have yet to watch any of the trailers. Once again, that's, a, that's an embargo, not because of that movie. I just usually prefer watching trailers in theaters. Um, obviously, exceptions may vary, but let let me. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna. Restate, restate my case here. If all the films that Illumination Studios has made prior, and you could say all that was like ex uh, gaining experience to be, you know, better animators and, you know, find their footing, which I assume they have their own in-house style, of course. But if all, like, you know, from whenever they first started to their most recent film, whatever that was, not not counting Super Mario Brothers, just like whatever that release was before that. I will say that if it has all, if the Super Mario Brothers movie has led up to like this point, and also probably because Nintendo is the producers, so they're really like guiding them. I, I would hope. I don't know how much involvement they have, but if they really are guiding them, then I think I'm a little more positive on uh, when it releases. Yeah, that's that's nice to hear. A little bit more yeah, open-minded stance with it. <laughs> it mostly just because I saw the thumbnail for uh, one of the new trailers, the most recent trailer, excuse me, as of this recording. And I gotta say, I think you know Toad, Peach, and Mario—they all pretty much look, you know, 3D. Obviously, it's pretty. Yeah, no, I'd say it's they look pretty good. So I'm like, all right, let's. I'm in. All all I've heard from the discourse is that people don't like Mario's voice. Oh, it's so it's so annoying because it's such a brief moment in the trailer. It's he says like maybe like six lines, and it's like really you're gonna blame you're gonna judge his whole performance based on six lines. Like what a weird environment we live in. Ah, uh, well, <laughs> people are so caustic. Like I yeah, like I said, it's talk talk. Um, speculation is toxicity nowadays, and hype is also toxicity. We're toxic nowadays as well. So yeah. It's fair. Maybe that's also close-minded of me to say. <laughs> no, no, I, I feel it. I feel it. And and especially among fandoms, people speculating a, like to the hilt and then hating the project that they actually got because they're like, this wasn't what I speculated. What I had was such a better idea and you just fucked it up. 
<laughs> and mind you, I had some of that with the Star Wars prequels, where I was like, I, my vision of what this was going to be was so much better. But, but I think I still would have been able to accept it if the movies felt more competent, you know? It wasn't necessarily me being like, oh, I'm mad that you didn't give me what I was expecting. It was more just mad at like, wow, this is so not <laughs> good. And, and I liked it at the time when I was a little kid. But, yeah, but anyway, that's that's fair. That's there's just something so weird about maybe I maybe it's always been like this. Like, didn't Sir Arthur Conan Doyle get like either death threats or at least get a lot of like strongly worded letters when he air quotes killed off Sherlock Holmes back in the day? Yeah. Yeah, so it's obviously nothing new, but it is very interesting when it comes to fi- fiction and, well, I guess you could just say um, uh, Misery or whatever that Stephen King novel is oh, about, yeah. you know, the, a, a, a fan becoming a little obsessed with the, the writer or the uh, the author, excuse me. Yeah, and hating the, uh, that's one of the fun things in that is because it is someone who's writing like a series of books. And they end up reading what they did and hating it so much they burn in, they burn the manuscript, and they're like, "I'm gonna force you to write the sequel to, to kind of what I want to see." So <laughs> yeah, no, it's yeah, it's quite the comment. <laughs> it is the comment. I I admit, like I'm also part of the problem. I've I've evidence of this throughout both channels of just <laughs> yeah, yeah, being kind of de- like I demand this to be you know my vision, but. That is, yeah, that is very toxic of me, and that that is very closed-minded of me, and not thinking, being a little more open-minded. I think it did, it did, maybe one can question, like, okay, well, where, what's where's the line between you know, constructive criticism and just fan demanding uh, changes to be made to please themselves? Yeah, yeah, like I always say with New Doctor Who, like that's clearly that a show that's not made for me. Um, there's nothing they could do at this point to make that show for me. Um, and so I, even though I don't like it and I, I watch it and I comment about things I don't like, I never go in expecting to hate it or hoping to hate it or anything like that. I give it a chance for what it is, knowing that it's never really going to be what I'm looking for. So I, I feel like that's a, a more happy medium. Yeah, I'll say this, sir. You are, yeah, you have, you have a stronger willpower than I do because usually if I, if something doesn't interest me, I'll say that, uh, be a little more nice here. Uh, if something doesn't interest me, catches my grip, like I said with, like for instance, Adventure Time, I'm like, you know what? I'll pass. This just doesn't seem like it's for me, and I don't want to waste my time just watching it and being like, I hate this. I'm like, why? Like, that's just a mm-hmm. waste of time. Obviously, I could go into Adventure Time with an open mind, which I should, but like, at this point, it's like, this is no, this is a hate, no hate at all. This is just me being like, yeah, I don't, I'll just pass. Um, doesn't mean anything. I'll just I'll I'll, I'll let it be. And I think that's I, I wish you know, maybe huh, there you go. I wish my opinion to be on other people, but I would <laughs> wonder if like you know I took if people took my advice and see how that would work. But then again, I should take other people's advice. <laughs> hey, maybe that would help with some folks because yeah, I do wonder like why some of these folks keep watching this stuff. Like the uh, the the, the She Hulk show. Like, I wasn't really interested. I stopped watching it for a long time. It was only out of, like, obligation that me and Brianna finally finished it. But, you know, I wasn't going in looking to despise each episode. I wasn't going online ranting about it like a lot of folks were. It's like, I recognize this show was not made for me. Like, this is for a sitcom audience written from someone who writes that stuff and 
is somewhat beloved in that community. I don't get what people see in that show at all. It's not at all to my taste, but I don't revel in my hatred towards it. Like, that just seems weird to me. Yeah, that's fair. Then they, you know, put their put their opinions online. But they, hey, they want to be heard. I mean, that's the, that's the times we live in nowadays, I guess. It's just... Okay, sorry, you know, we gotta get back to this, but yeah, how how is the how is our how is our uh, how is our actor bud? How did she like? Do you think she like acted well in that show, or like you know, minus you know, as people would say, cringe dialogue, uh, whatever that means, it's subjective. But like, how did how did she fare acting wise? Do you think she at least did a good job acting or not? Yeah, I, I leave that up to someone else to answer. I found her lines, her deliveries, her snide uh, <laughs> unpleasantness just off-putting, and I never enjoyed what I was seeing from her at all. Let's see. I found the character just you know, just very unlikable. <laughs> so, so I don't know if that's her or if that's the writing or what it is, but yeah, I just could not could not get into that character for yeah almost at all. Because you've you've watched the actor in other things before, correct? Me, no, no. Okay, never mind. Yeah, I've never seen that show. Uh, Orphan Black, I think it was. Yeah. I mean, obviously she was cast for a reason, and she's apparently like a fan favorite actor for people. So, I assume she has to be popular. Oh, and people love her. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people saying that this is one of the best things Marvel's ever done. That she's brilliant. That she's an embodiment of the character on screen. I don't know. <laughs> that's again. I that's it's not for me. I only watched it because it feels like we have to with the MCU to some regard. But but you see, know. you don't have to. You don't have to do that. You could just like. But then you'd lo- lose track. And and actually, there was some stuff in there that like all the the abomination stuff. I thought that was all really a uh, fun, you know, a fun kind of uh, sequel to his character in the MCU. Fourteen years later. <laughs> Yeah, so there was things that I thought were worthwhile, but overall, yeah, I just you know thought the show was crap. <laughs> which, pr- which probably adds to the interesting part of where you actually can see like a life sentence going on because he was taken in two thousand eight or nine, whatever it was, and then mm-hmm. he's been stuck in I don't know where if it's the raft or some prison that holds him properly. He's been stuck there for years, so that's interesting that you could actually have like a villain, like behind bars for years it's like hey look one a villain that actually is behind bars in marvel that's rare i guess there's still zemo or i don't know what happened in falcon winter soldier i'm just going with what happened in civil war but yeah and you know he found uh he found a way to control his violent impulses he's become like a spiritualist really yeah huh (laughs) interesting yeah and he he has a lot of he's in the show a lot more than you'd expect actually he like opens up this little ranch for like self-reflection and self-healing for other villains and stuff and it's a, it was a, it was a fun place to take that character i thought i i enjoyed all that stuff interesting so do they do we update the look by the way if i obviously it's tim roth like most of the time i assume which is mm-hmm. weird because i mean in the comics again sorry ad- adaptation pardon me in the comics usually abomination is uh stuck even though he's air quotes stronger than the hulk he doesn't have the ability to one increases uh strength levels and two he can't revert back to his human form he's always in his like gamma form so i'm 
I'm interested to see like that. It's an interesting adaptation they did that, but I think that also just helps save production costs, of course, because they don't, you know, they can't always have that CGI character there. I mean, they have enough money to spend for you know She Hulk's transformation, but how does oh. does? <laughs> but is he uh, does he go gamma form? By the way, does he go? Uh, do we see him in that mode at all? Ah, uh, yes, we do. Yeah. Okay. And I'm a, I'm gonna ask, I'm okay. Fourteen years later, I don't know what you thought of Abomination in the Incredible Hulk, but I'm assuming they've probably. I don't think it was bad, but like, I'm assuming they've probably made some adjustments to look make it look like it was from 2022 and not 2008. Yeah, the design looks very very different. Yeah. Is he a bit reptilian? At least that's what yes. I remember in Earth's <laughs> Mightiest. Okay, so they went with the Earth's Mightiest Heroes. Oh, that's obviously based off the comics. So that's really cool. I'm, I'm, is he a little more green as well? Because he's very gray in that film. Yeah, like a livid green. He's almost got these little like fin ears type of thing. <laughs> Ooh, so he's kind of like an oversized Hulk of a, uh, 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 what is it? a creature from the Black Lagoon. Uh, no, no. Okay. But yeah, definitely closer to the comics. Yeah. Nice. Okay, that's, that's good to know. So, uh, good. Not really spoilers on on that part, but uh, okay, sorry, <laughs> way way too far. But yeah, just fan. I mean, again, even I, I, I'm, I'm no stranger to it. I'm no, I'm I. Uh, was I participate in the discourse? It's well, just by you and me, really, because I don't go online and talk yeah. about it with other people. Mostly you and Eric and Johnny, and Sean, Steve and Michaela and. Uh, Jason are all the people that I would like discuss stuff with and uh, that's it so I don't know if that adds to the discourse of something maybe it does I, I mean I guess my, my opinion is you know could be like clumped into like a bunch of opinions <laughs> I guess that like share the same uh, really reach the same conclusion or thus like either positive or negative or neutral I don't, I don't know uh, over regards of a fiction fictitious work yeah, but I think with something like a long-form discussion, it it lends itself to a more uh, reasoned kind of discussion rather than just okay. some random comments and like a titter, Twitter stream is bitching yeah, and funny. raving. So. so what you're saying is what you and I are doing is healthy. <laughs> yeah, it, it leads to a more, I think, interesting discussion of the, the things. Um, hey, it's like Eric said, uh, it's it's like an, a long-form interview, like an NPR or whatever he yeah. said. <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I'm a mixed person. I get that. But, like, if I come across as hating Avatar, it's like, I don't. <laughs> I mean, why would I, why, why would I, cr- like, go out of my way to create a title card? I mean, you did as well. But why would I, like, hand paint a title card for uh, th- for this show if I didn't care? Did I ever switch that with Benny the Elements? You never did. You never oh my did God. because I thought I thought you well. You had made a good reason of like it's just like I, I can't do it because it's like for some reason the the format doesn't work with it or something like that. I don't know. That's right. I had to. Yeah, it's it's a little conf- confusing how to do it. I I just really need to sit down and do it. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I just assumed like that ah, didn't work, so I'm like, yeah, still happy I did it. <laughs> yeah, I'll see if I can. I'll see if I can do it for the third season. Maybe that'd be a good time to switch to. That's that's fine. I just. I'll add it to my list here. I just am like, okay. It's finally going to be done. Like, I guess I'm going to have to make up. Oh, no, wait. No, I, we can use it for Korra. I for, forgot about that. Never mind. <laughs> I assume... Or, wait. Oh, wait. Yeah, because we're still gonna, it's going to be called Avatar Podcast, right? Yep. I assume so. So Okay, no, never mind. I got, like, 
five we can get five seasons out of it. Okay, here's my question. This is a little like way too far in the future. But when we do the other series, are we still called Bending the Elements? Yeah, I figure might as well keep that. Yeah. Maybe Bending the Elements, uh, Cowboy Bebop podcast or something. I don't know. Or, uh, <laughs> Whatever podcast. Dark Crystal Re- Revolution, was it? Or... Oh, uh, uh, oh, wow. I'm forgetting it right now. Whatever uh, that one is. Cause... Dark Crystal Age Resistance. Thank you, Age of Resistance is, is like something. I'd say the full title. That's fair. Uh, I forgot. Uh, no, oh, great! Another Age movie. Oh, oh great! <laughs> or not movie, but series. Uh, hey, have you been watching Willow recently? Just because like they both kind of like have something to do with each other. Um, I've been meaning to, but I haven't got around to it yet. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I assume. Okay. Well. Ooh, I can say this. Uh, I actually started watching another TV show that's been keeping me busy. Oh. Let's hear it. And that is uh, HBO's Perry Mason TV series. Hey, that's right. That finally came out, eh? Oh, it came out two years ago. <laughs> oh, okay. Never mind. I was like, that thing's been in like development hell for years. Yeah, it's been. They're actually putting out a second season next year, which I discovered while I was watching an episode uh, two nights ago. Yeah, it's been sitting on my list forever, but I just could never work out the motivation to watch TV until like the past two months after I finished Peacemaker. Um, so I just working through that list, and I started watching Perry Mason. And man, that show is is really good so far. How did they nail the? Uh, I was it 1930s aesthetic? Oh, it works. It works, uh, and good. I love uh, the attitude of the characters. Like they all have this, yeah, kind of distinct quality that doesn't necessarily feel modern, but very human in a way that some of those old TV shows didn't replicate. So. Oh, hey, uh, Caleb is <laughs> as as if I were Eric here. Is the show woke? <laughs> Uh, not so far. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but again, I don't know what woke is. So. <laughs> I don't, yeah. Okay, okay I, don't, I don't, is it self-awareness, I guess? That's a different thing entirely. Well, that's that's the weird thing with woke, that I don't, it seems to mean th- different things to different people. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no, here we go. Oh, no, this is not good. It's It's an interchangeable word. Like, nobody actually knows what that word means. Yeah, like for Eric, he usually means like, um, like on the nose, in your face, political messaging tied with doing it in a clumsy way with bad writing. And I think that's a, a use of it that's particular to him and maybe a few other folks that he like listens to. But I think for a lot of folks, it just means forced diversity, female leads, um, any sort of politi- political messaging that they disagree with. And... That's usually that's any sort of feminist themes, all that stuff. That all falls in the banner for woke for them. Now, obviously, Eric can counter me on this. I know he's not here to, you know, yeah, just defend himself, and that kind of does seem wrong. But I, I will at least say this: I'm pretty sure that by the definition, at least that you're saying, or his, sorry, repeating his definition. Yeah, woke movies have been around for a long time. Then, like pre 2010s, like I'm pretty sure that it hasn't just been like the you know, the last decade in and this current decade now, right? Like there's had to be other like woe air quotes woke films since like the thirties. Yeah, that's another point that I make all the time. Like I was talking about uh, with the Hayes Code when it was the like the right wing vision and you watch their movies and they're you know very clearly putting in their pro military, pro America kind of standpoints. Like, oh, you know, we gotta be against those commies type of stuff. Yeah. We gotta support the American way. I was like, how is that in its way not woke? But he would say that um, in some ways it is, but that the 
current version is what we call woke, and that it's got a particular like criteria that it meets. And okay. that older stuff is like it's a different version of like that kind of stuff. So you know, by this point, it almost sounds like a Saturday morning special. Like that's kind of what it is when like the meanings and like advertisement or like what the message is about like the the fictitious project is just like too dang clear. Does, does that make sense? Like you remember in like yeah. The, or at least maybe you've watched videos about like you know how certain 80s cartoons like don't do this like captain planet i guess <laughs> uh sonic sat am where they would do sonic says um of just like you know don't put yourself inside a uh laundry dryer or else you'll die mm-hmm. okay uh, like maybe i'm wrong on that but like is is that kind of what i'm thinking of like at least relating both together where they're the uh, the message is just so obvious yeah, no, I, I could see that lining up. Although Eric, of course, might disagree. Maybe we should bring okay. this up with him. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah, no, I'll obviously present this with him, not trap him, obviously. But I just, no, no, from, yeah. From what he's saying, what you're saying as well, and obviously he he can re-explain it to me. I, I accept that. Um, is it just sounds like it's an obvious message, and why the heck has James Cameron not been? Why why have you not said that any of James Cameron's films are woke, <laughs> especially The Abyss? I've been mean to bring that up. Yes. I, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. Okay, that's interesting. Okay. So Way of Water, we're gonna you're gonna do this, aren't you? I'm probably not going to. The only reason that I haven't yet is because I could always sense that these discussions are already going I'm like I, I going into them I kinda sense that they're gonna be too long. So I don't wanna introduce more things that would add more to the conversation when it's not really oh, directly boy. tied to the movie. Okay. So. Give me at least at least give some ideas of what you were gonna say with them if you can remember. Oh, I'll bring it up post the, the post the discussion, just in like a okay. bonus episode. Okay, fair enough. I'm glad that you yeah. had this in mind, but I, I, I knew it. I knew you. Pro- I, I just stumbled on that, but I then realized like, oh yeah, isn't some of James Cameron's films woke? I especially kept meaning to bring it up during Avatar, but I was like, oh, I'll, I'll wait and see how long this is gonna be. Uh, I, I'm gonna assume that like, I don't think Terminator or Terminator Two is woke. By your definition. I don't think so. Uh, you can say the Abyss is 100% woke. Um, what well. else was there? I guess, like, True Lies is not woke. Um, certainly isn't. Titanic? Again, I don't... Maybe? I don't know what these... I don't know what the label actually means in turn. That, that's my... Obvious nest. The only one that I kind of get is, like, um, people say Captain Marvel's woke. Like, Captain Marvel, kind of like Batman Returns, would, like, actually throwing your face kind of like political talking points type of stuff and it was like okay like i can feel that this feels like it was written by like an article like a like a political column in some parts i'm like okay i can feel like those moments meet what i think of as woke but but i don't know i I don't i just don't get necessarily the irritant of it like i don't know i don't know why it bothers people in the way it does that's that's another thing i don't fully understand obvious social justice i guess i don't i don't know what it would, i don't know what the term would be then that means a lot of comics are woke as well oh yeah i mean i don't just mean like i don't i'm not talking about current day comics i'm talking about like like the green arrow uh green lantern run from by dennis o'neill um like those yes. ones yeah, those ones like would technically be woke and the the john byrne run on namor namor in some ways is almost like uh like he's eco-obsessed, so he's bringing it up all the time. These surface dwellers 
Like, they're not, the, they don't protect the oceans. If it wasn't for someone like me, like, where would the oceans be? And, like, is that woke in its way? It's got a clear political environmental message about... I mean, he even shows up and at one point attacks the Roxxon oil uh, executives. Like, it wasn't exactly t tied to the environmental stuff, but he, you know... <laughs> He clearly has got it out for the, the oil industry. So. Oh. No, so, like, I, I guess that technically would fit the definition of woke. Like, I'm saying, like, obvious... Like, well, does that mean that our obvious, I guess, political messages or whatever... You could, I guess you could almost say, like, exploitation is also a bit woke? Yeah, and this is this is why the, the issue of wokeness always comes up to me, and I just find it a bizarre... Yeah. Because there's an element of dismissal to it. And it's like, oh, if the political messaging's too on the nose, then we don't like it. And to me, I just, I think that's too selective. Like, um, I recently watched the film Network. Um, fantastic 70s film, kind of uh, discussing the exploitation of the media uh, before it even got as bad as it's gotten. That's a satire that in no way hides its messaging, makes it very explicitly clear, and is doing that in a way to lampoon the the kind of mindset behind those executives running those kind of news companies like was that is that woke i mean they don't hide their messaging whatsoever it's right there in your face yeah it's, <laughs> it's punching like, you in the face as an audience is it just like obvious like like not hiding your message like not what yeah being obvious like it's just is that it like if if well, that's if that's if that's woke then well i would just call it simple then because it's like it's as in like it's generalized of like okay well nobody needs to worry about any like hidden symbolism or metaphors or allegories, the message is right there. Yeah, and again, if, if Eric was here, he would say, uh, um, it's not just about having obvious political messaging; it's being doing it badly, which I tend to counter as I think that's too subjective. What's considered badly yeah, done, yeah, like for that's... it to really have any sort of meaning. But unfortunately, yeah. but again, that's why we should discuss with him. <laughs> I'm sorry, yeah, no, I'm getting ahead of myself with that, but, like, yeah, no, at least, yeah, this is, fiction is, well, and it's other stuff, fiction and reality, as we can see with Twitter and other networks, social networks, is that, like, it's subjective, like, it's your opinion and your worldview, so, your will, like, if, if you like those air quotes woke pieces nowadays in the 2020s and, I guess, 2010s, like that's because the message of you know whatever fiction piece piece of fiction aligns with your worldview. Okay. Yeah, and there there are some folks out there, um, on the left and the right, and I find it completely baffling by either point of view. Where like if I don't agree with the political message messaging of this movie, I don't like it. Or there are people who are like, I refuse to watch this if someone else tells me that it goes against my political beliefs. So as a, as a protest to stand for my beliefs, I refuse to watch that film. I just find that such a strange and limited point of view. Like, do, do other people's opinions really have that much influence on you? If, if they tell you that it disagrees with your politics, you're not going to watch it? That's, and there's a lot of the anti-woke crowd that are like that. And there's a lot of folks on the left who are like that. I mean, Joker, there was a bunch of folks who said they refused to watch it because, again, they thought it was some sort of white supremacist power fantasy which is just a completely wrong reading of the movie read by politically obsessed uh people looking for clickbait 
and a bunch of lefties fell for it. <laughs> I mean, Joker is the last bit of supremacist, I think. He's it's crazy. There's, I mean, obviously there's different versions of him, but like, I don't think he's, maybe somebody wrote him as a racist, but like, I don't think, generally speaking, people write him as a racist. Just a man of anarchy, which is an absence of having government. And I guess also having a political message. <laughs> Not that that's, that's different though, than racist, so. Yeah, and, and when Joker came out, that's when I was still fairly political and I was keeping up with a lot of different political figures. And I was so surprised to see a lot of people that I respected coming out with those stupid takes and refusing to see the movie. I was like, wow, you know, I I respect your opinion most of the time, but you're refusing to digest this art on your own, but then judging it. It's like if I, I take the standpoint, I'm not going to judge something if I haven't seen it myself. That's one of the reasons I watch so much crap is because I don't feel like I can form an opinion without seeing it. Fair enough. So to see people whose political opinions I respect do that. It kind of made me think less of them. I'm like, well, how do I know that you really understand the information that you're processing and giving to me as kind of like journalists? If you're doing this secondhand, you're falling into this kind of anti-whatever mindset. That's just bizarre group to me. Group think. Group think. Group think. Yeah. Um, if okay, if we were to objectively give like a, uh, we looked at the white supremacist viewpoint or whatever that philosophy would be like the fascist viewpoint i don't know like what viewpoint it would be you know like the feminist viewpoints and the lgbtq viewpoint if we were to use if we put that lens over joker does that mean that is i mean is there elements of fascistic ideas in there or again whatever viewpoint we're looking at it from or will it not that's an interesting idea to see like if it if it checks all the boxes off it it's not fascist propaganda, it just like checks off the boxes for being a fascist viewpoint, I guess. Yeah, I feel like this is turning into a, a future podcast idea. It certainly <laughs> is, which I was not trying to go for, but I'm just saying like, you know, I mean, if we were to give these people, like, tell them they're right or wrong, you have to basically like, look at, you know, the worldview that they believe in and say, okay, does it align with their, their worldview? And if it doesn't, it's like, well, you guys are wrong. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's completely 100% not, so... Sorry, go ahead. Maybe it would be a good thing to look at it from from kind of the both angles, from the, the outrage groups that were around it. Yeah. Yeah. No. Fair enough. I just... <laughs> <laughs> I guess he was only in Two Towers, correct? And you recently read the, those books again. Yeah, and he shows up in uh, The Return of the King as well. What was his, uh, how did he, did he die in Return of the, and I, I know the, I know the movie version, but that's, that wasn't the book though, because, yeah, no, it was, it was different, right? Oh, he has quite a moment in the Return of the King book, I don't know if I should spoil it, but. Uh, uh I mean, I don't, <laughs> statutory yeah. of limitations, the fact that it was made in 1955. Well, I guess I will say then, uh, if, if you don't mind. I don't mind, because I actually don't know, I, I don't know how he uh, how he, how that character, because he's still, or how that character interacts with the, re, or is portrayed in the rest of the book. Because is he still, does he still ally himself with Saruman, or Saruman, uh, in the Two Towers? Yeah, he sure does. Um, him and Saruman are eventually driven out of Isengard, and some folks are like, "Let's kill this Saruman. He's, you know, he screwed us over. He's put this, he's unleashed this 
this this horrible monstrosity of an army on us. But old Gandalf, he's like, well, you know, he, he was a part of the order, and I still believe there could be some good in this Saruman. I'll I'll leave him, I'll let him find his way on the road. And he drags along Grima, a worm tongue is still his servant, and they venture on the road together. And eventually they wind up in the Shire. And before that, that's one of the, the major reasons why that book has, you know, in the movies they have so many different endings. In the books, there's even more. And in the end, um, it turned out that he had taken over the Shire. And <laughs> and after that ends up failing and they, the hobbits return and they're like, hey, screw you, we're taking the Shire back. We're going to do a hobbit revolt. And there's this whole like second battle with the hobbits taking over the Shire again. And they're like, okay, Saruman, we're kicking you out again. But Bill, or, um, Frodo, following Gandalf's leads, like, okay, I'm not going to kill you. Maybe you saw some good in you. I'm just going to leave you to, to find your way on the road. And he kicks around Grima. He's like, well, I guess we're in the road again. Get get back to serve me, Grima. But Grima's like, nope, you've driven me astray too many times. I'm not going to serve you. And stabs him and kills Saruman. Then runs off on his own. And we never find out what happens to Grima after that. So I did know about the, you know, the Return of the King ending, but I didn't know about Grima, though. I, I didn't mm-hmm. actually know that he was still with Saruman uh, during that yeah. plot, that takeover of the Shire. That's that's interesting. Uh, thanks for telling us that, though. That was that was interesting. <laughs> um, yep, fair enough. We just got off of No Neck November. All right, like, come on, like, what's what's going on here? It's destroyed Delt December, my friend. What's that? No Neck November. Oh, so like the shaving thing. No, 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 neck November. Well, no, that's that's prostate cancer awareness month. It's where you grow your beard to like show that you're supporting men who have prostate cancer. Yeah, isn't, isn't that in November? Yeah, it's in November, but no neck November is where uh, is designated for you to like not have a neck. So you basically do a like each day you do a number of uh, neck exercises to you know get your neck so swollen and thick that. It's like I said. It's like Bane. If you remember Justice League Doom, where he literally has no neck, it's just his traps connected to like his oh, head. Okay, that's yeah. weird. Oh, I never heard of that one. Oh no, it's not. all these things that people do. I never. Uh... Well, this one I made up at my gym, and pretty much we've we've stuck to it. We're we're we're, we're totally oh. on it. And <laughs> same thing with like destroy Delta December. But of course, it's actually not the case because it's based off of No Nut November and Destroy Dick December, and then Jizzles January. Wow, yeah, I, I, I think I've heard of No Nut November. Yeah, no, that's where you don't. But I did not know about those others. Yeah, so No Nut November is where yeah you don't masturbate for a month, and then Destroy Dick December is where you mas you masturbate because you have so much jizz in you. Uh, every you you double it every day. So Jesus. just just because it's one, so so day one it's one, but then day two you do it twice, but then you double it every like every every, every day. Uh, wow. So, so by the time it's the thirty-first, you're like supposed to masturbate for like I think three million times or something. Well, that's uh... yeah, and, and then hence hence where Jizzles January comes in, where you literally have no jizz left within you. <laughs> well, this is uh... I uh, and then I came up with the fact that I was like, okay, we need a alternative to No Nut November for kids, just to make it even a funnier joke, just because. If you, it's one of those like innuendo jokes that if you're an adult you know what it is, but if you're a kid you're like, oh, it's, it is what it is. 
that's what No Neck November eventually became. That's where it came from. But then I was like, ah, just peanut allergy awareness month. AKA <laughs> to the kids, like, no nut November. And the other joke is oh, that. It's I like, but, but peanuts aren't a nut. I'm like, yeah, and? Uh, so I had forgotten that we, five months ago, whatever, or sat down with my friend who I also once again watched, my Disney pal. Uh, I, I sat down with him and we watched uh, Encanto. Oh, oh, you finally watched that one. Hmm. Well, that's the more recent of like Disney's main lineup of, of films. Yeah, but it has been out for quite a while now. I think it was like it has. I mean, the new. Well, I guess yeah. Strange Worlds is out now. So never. What am I saying? Never mind. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but in in Kanto or in Kanto, however you say it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So you, coming in, you were a big fan of Lin Manuel Miranda's uh, previous uh, work up to that point, right? Or was it only um, Hamilton? Wait, Mo- Moana. Yeah, there was that one. There was um, what was that other one that he did? Um, uh, oh, Coco. I was gonna say in the heights. <laughs> oh, in the, no! Wait, no, he didn't do Coco. He did, uh, yeah, in the heights. Um, that was the um, what is oh, it? Yes. Robert Lopez. Robert Lopez. Was so you didn't see in the heights, right? No, I never did. Oh, okay. So maybe just Hamilton then, because <laughs> I know you have mixed uh, opinions on Moana. Well, I just wish it could have been more, and I am I, I'm fascinated in the Taika script more, where it's about her and her siblings, like her being uh not an only child but having siblings i think that would have i would have loved to see where that went whereas what we instead of what we got but i mean i think the film's still good it's really pretty to look at like <laughs> with all the water i especially yep. know you love like that water stuff yep that was the, the strongest part of that movie unfortunately <laughs> um but in but uh yeah so coming in uh were you were you looking forward to the music did you uh and now that you've seen it, did you feel like the music lived up to some of his previous previous work? Well, I will say that going into it, I, I had missed out on everybody's initial, on the initial release, uh, like everybody else watched. I don't remember if this was a film that also was released in theaters or just straight to like streaming, which... Straight. It eventually got a delayed release. Yeah, of course it did. But anyways, it doesn't surprise me. But what really blew it up was the fact of of that one song everybody knows the song mm-hmm. it was you know we, we don't talk about bruno which i gotta i have to make mention that um so i was i was in the office i was at the church office there and um i was talking with like the youth pastor there or the youth director excuse me and another youth guy was was there like a youth member he was there and we were talking 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 and then like you mentioned like oh yeah my friend bruno and then i said like we don't talk about him what we don't talk about Bruno, and then he's just like, oh, "No, what do you mean? Like, well, of course we do." And the director was like laughing, he's laughing, making a chuckle <laughs> to himself, um, because it flew over his head. And then he realized it, and he was just like, "Oh man, I got punked!" Like, like back in the day. <laughs> That's fun. So, you know, it's the equivalent. It's it's this generation, or maybe the, I don't know if it's this decade. It's like we're still only twenty twenty two. We have no idea. But then again, it's basically this decade so far. Uh, let it go and it's funny because there was literally like i don't think there was a song that top let it go uh back in the the, the new the new 10 so unless it was yeah. like i don't know maybe some illumination film or like one of the trolls films i don't know but like 
Yeah, this, it was basically this generation's, or this, yeah, this decade's Let It Go, and it was for different reasons, though, and that was primarily because of TikTok, where it was used as, like, you know, a sample uh, for everybody to, like, do a little dance or, or jive to, because um, it really does kind of, it is cha-cha, so I, I think it is. Uh, so, like, it certainly feels like it could be, you know, the intro to something, and boy, did the TikTok users make a lot of use out of it because they send it to the heights yeah to it they send it in the heights no that doesn't well, work <laughs> darn it okay but um either way they they made it extremely popular and rightfully so i'm glad it made it that way and i think so i was i was i was talking with myself about this i was like okay i can see where everybody was annoyed at let it go like when it was overplayed to crap like when frozen came out because honestly it is a genuinely good film or film yes but like a, a genuinely good song excuse me but like i understand where people are coming from when it came to like i hate how overplayed it is but i didn't have it with uh i didn't have that with we don't talk about bruno because i knew because I, I you know i'm one of those guys who played let it go a lot when it came out obviously to myself and not to like you know I was going to do it privately, guys. Like, come on. I'm not going to, like, subject it to anybody else. I want to hear it, not, like, anybody else. Um, but, like, I knew it was, you know, overplayed. And so I was like, okay, we're going to talk about Bruno's overplayed, but I don't have a problem with that because I was in that camp of loving it. So I would be a hypocrite to uh, criticize this film. It's like, oh, why is, why is this song, like, you know, so it feels overplayed and I don't understand it, like close-minded rabble 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 but i didn't uh in the context of the movie i think it works i think it, it does work um and really i i i mean it's in my head right now because i'm thinking about it but like no nah, it works as a song um and i think it unfortunately I, I wonder if it overshadows a lot of the other songs i think a bunch of fans will know all the other tracks but yeah i think I think uh, Manuel Miranda did a good job with the tracks there. Um, I think he's... I think it's up for an Oscar? Or is it not? I don't remember now. Oh, I'm not sure. Yeah, for, for best song, excuse me, uh, in, in, in that. I don't know. I think I think Bell, personally, one of the Bell songs should take it instead, but that's just me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Eric had a big discussion about those two movies, and I was saying how... I just don't necessarily get Lin Manuel Miranda's style when it comes to musicals. Wait, I remember this. I remember. I remember listening to the Speakeasy. But yeah, just go ahead. Yeah, I feel like um, I feel like I can I could get his music in terms of like radio songs. I feel like he writes good songs, but in the context of musicals, I feel like they always feel to me kind of jarring. And sometimes I find the people that either I don't know if it's him selecting the people to do the the singing. But sometimes I feel like the choice of singer for his songs just has a drawing effect as well, and I, I don't necessarily feel like it complements his, his style of music. And I felt that throughout that movie, and that song in particular, I was really surprised when it blew up. Because so I was like, it was an okay song, I, I just I don't see the the mass love, but maybe, maybe that's just a stylistic clash. But I think, but I've listened to Bell's soundtrack over and over again, both the Japanese and the American one. And I just think that thing is brilliant. Yep. I definitely think that that should be more elevated instead of Encanto, but... 
we're kind of yeah we're kind of biased with Bell like that that's uh, pretty much holds like a special place in our hearts. Yeah, incredible music. I haven't I haven't listened to the Encanto score once. And usually those Disney movies, if I do like their music, I'll go back and listen to them a few times after seeing it. I, I never felt compelled to go back, but that could just be a just a taste difference with Lin-Manuel yeah. Manuel Miranda. Potentially, and how much heavier Bell's music is is about. Even though I, I maybe that's wrong of me to say. I'm sorry because Encanto is about intergenerational family trauma. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't a lyrical issue. Um, and I think also it comes down to, uh, except for I, I believe the lead was a professional kind of singer. Everyone else felt untrained. Everyone else felt like just actors that they brought in who were like, oh, you might be good for this role. Can you sing? And so in, in that regard, I feel like it's not even on a level playing field because Bell, both the Japanese and the English one, brought in some incredible singers who really delivered some fantastic performances. And so in that regard... I mean, in terms of singing the songs, <laughs> maybe not the best uh, voice acting. I'm not sure, but in terms of the singing, it was just incredible work. So, you know, in a way, in a way, I, I, I argue, I'd actually go listen to. I'm, I might do this. I might listen to the Spanish track, uh, the Spanish dub of of Encanto to see how the uh, Spanish singers do, because um, I feel like they would hire both actors who are both singers and act and actors of course um that's that's usually how you go with it uh is you'd hire you know a voice actor who can sing and can act um like a theater performer is, is also perfect for that role because i mean assuming that they are trained in you know singing uh so i i will be yeah i will be honest like yeah i i am maybe it's just because i haven't watched it in a long time but i've yeah, I, I, I'm forgetting some of the... I, I remember some of the songs, but, like, you know, not as... I, well, yeah, no, I, I do... I, I kind of liked... I mean, each one of them, like, talked about how, you know, somebody was lamenting something and how the pressures of the family, uh, of, of keeping up the appearances in the family or keeping the family upright was, was something. But I don't remember all the lyrics, but I remember, at least remember the meaning behind them. Like you got the sense of like what the song was about. Yeah, and uh, maybe moving past the songs a little bit. Um, what did you think about the the visual style of the movie? Uh, so the visual style, once again, beautiful. Uh, depicting Colombia, um, or at least a Colombian village. Uh, I think it's the the verdant, the the flora everywhere, wonderful looking, super colorful film. Um, and I think it was one of the sisters looks like once again has a similar face to Elsa and Anna and uh, uh, Rapunzel maybe I'm wrong on that um, what did you think of the visuals oh I, I, I thought they were great throughout especially there's that one sister whose room is just like full of flowers yep I thought that was some stunning stuff and I loved it the, was really uh, nice I love that like hidden room with the giant, um, like the giant. What's what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, hmm, what's the word? <laughs> I'm also trying to think. It, it was like a giant like drop off type of thing. You know, it was uh, like a bridge going over a giant. What's the word I'm looking? For? It's it's driving me crazy. Like, drop bridge. Tip my tongue. 
No, it was for the. Ah, uh... oh, damn it! Oh, the Sands. Oh, uh, the. Uh, 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 yeah, when it was at Bruno's. Yeah. Uh, Bruno's domain. Uh, where it was like a. a uh, oh. Uh, Sandile? No. Um, it's gonna say pit or that. That's the that's the word I'm looking for. Just for that giant like drop off area that he had. Yeah. Okay. Whatever that was, I liked seeing how how expansive the house could be. I thought all that stuff was really cool. Oh yeah, where it's like the TARDIS, where it's bigger on the inside than the outside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I even just like the idea of this like all their little individual kind of superpower things and. I, I, th I thought all the, the concept was really cool, and the character designs I liked as well. I thought they all felt um, pretty standout. Yeah, each were different, different and unique enough. Um, so, this movie is the reverse of Frozen. If one couldn't already tell. The reverse of Frozen? What do you mean? The reverse of Frozen. So, in that, in Frozen, there's a single person, uh, at least in the first Frozen, um, who has this magical ability and she feels isolated. In Encanto, uh, the whole family has superpowers and uh, the main character herself, I forget her name, uh, she uh, does not have superpowers. Okay, yeah. I, I kind of see what you mean. Yeah. So it's the complete and utter reverse of Frozen. I was like, aha, I see what you're going <laughs> here. Where it's like, um, where Elsa wants to be a little more normal, um, you know what? I'm going to look this up. So, hold on a second. Oh, right. Mirabelle. That's right. That was significant oh, because okay. there was a, there's a film in Japan called Mirabelle, I believe. Oh. Uh, that's funny. Uh, but yeah, Mirabelle. Uh, beautiful name, by the way. Like, absolutely wonderful. Uh, Mad Madrigals. Yeah, Madrigals. That's right. Mad Madrigals. Excuse me. I, I butched that name up badly. I'm so sorry. Um, but anyway, yeah, no. Uh, seeing Mirabelle herself, uh, you know what? It's it's like you know, I'm trying to think of there's there's been media like that where it's just like I want to be, you know, super have superpowers but I can't. Um, none are coming to mind, which is awful. But I've seen we, we've seen this before, uh, where you don't you want to be the superhero? I guess. Oh, I guess Sky High. Yes, I was about to say. It's like yeah. the one with Kurt Russell. What was yeah. that? Sky High. Yeah, no, where he has no powers. He doesn't even have super strength nor his mom's flight. So, yeah, yeah, you're right. Thank you. Um, so there's that, but there's other ones out there as well. Um, you can almost say, like, you know, she's like Batman in the Justice League, and you just have to, like, find, you know, what you're good at. And I mean, Batman's you know, got a lot of stuff going for him in there. But anyways, um so I was like, okay, I kind of know where this is going to go, where, like, she's going to learn to, like, what... They, they also, like, hint at, like, what's going on with her with her powers, that, like, there's a reason she may not have powers, uh, because her grandmother uh, is the one to, like, for almost forbid... Well, every... What is it? I think it... it when they reach a certain age, they... The, the house itself, because the house is alive, which is really cool, um, the house... Um, no, they, they, is it a flower or there's, there's a, there's a special, there's a MacGuffin that like they touch or they like interact with and then they get a power and she didn't get one. And, uh, I think, what is it? The mom, the grandmother had Bruno use his powers to see into the future. And then like, he saw some like bad stuff or potential bad stuff. Cause he doesn't. 
you know, you can't fully see into the future. It was just like, you know, blurry visions or whatever. So it's a potential future. And so she potentially is the downfall of the entire, like, uh, family. Apparently, Mirabelle herself. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, yeah, <laughs> some heavy stuff. She doesn't realize this until, like, you know, once her cousin becomes... Uh, able to, is is able to like once once he goes through the ceremony he can talk to animals, um, and so I said that if I had to if you had to ask me like what did you how did you feel about this it's like how I felt about Encanto um, this movie made me feel like it's the closest adaptation Disney will ever get towards Akira. Uh, that one you might have to explain for me. That's fair. Um, because when it's either when Mirabelle has a dream or there's a vision of some sort, um, she sees that the house crumples beneath her. And I, I, was, <laughs> I thought of that scene in uh, in Tetsu or yeah, in in Akira when Tetsu was having his hallucinations, one of his first hallucinations, where he sees like the ground beneath his shadow like crumple. And it's originating from him. I was like, oh, wow, that's... I just, my mind immediately went to that. So I'm like, oh, that's funny. <laughs> it's just projection by that point, but I'm like, aha. Yes, very much so. <laughs> oh, but uh, do you feel like you have much more for that for that movie? Um, It was resolved the way I thought it was going to be resolved. Uh, they did a no-antagonist plot where it's just family trauma. Uh, it's the misunderstanding of like a family member and once again it's leaning more into like tradition versus progress in a way of like you know let well yeah in this case and Mirabel wants to be you know super powered and it seems like she is at the end not not so much but like she's accepting of her place once the truth is revealed I forget what like the whole truth was <laughs> or yeah because their house gets destroyed everybody loses their powers and then she rebirths everything. I think she's the source. Now think about it. And then I think she gives the... Uh, I think she becomes like the MacGuffin. And then she can... The new MacGuffin, excuse me. And she gives powers to the town. I think that's what it was. She gives people powers now, if I recall. And... Yeah, because the, the grandmother held her family up in such high esteem that they were like the moral center of the entire town. And so only like the town can, you know, come to them for problems. So she really put on like the weight of the world on, on their shoulders. So yeah, hence where the intergenerational trauma comes from. But I think, you know, it's applicable for a lot of people. A lot of people can uh, can find some something that they struggle with with Mirabelle and not also and also just what's she's going through, um, and and you know the family itself. Um, so I don't I forget who the director was here let me check Magical Family um, uh, Jared Bush Brian Howard Chris Castro Smith uh, direct, co-directed by okay so I don't I don't know who with yeah with Disney sometimes it's more than one director so I don't know who yeah. I could give to like say and then like the other writers um, they all did the co-writing by the way like one did the screen two did the screenplay one did the story so it's like i guess give them another chance <laughs> give them another project oh yeah i mean and, and the thing was beloved when it came out i mean 
Uh, maybe I just didn't see it um, the same way as a lot of folks, but it was absolutely like a cultural uh, touchstone at the time. Yeah, it's fair. Um, and, and for me, uh, I, I felt that also with Frozen. I, I liked Frozen as well, but I was kind of surprised at how much it had taken over the culture and been beloved. Admittedly, I was kind of surprised that Zootopia didn't have that place, because I think that's the best of the three. Um, for modern Disney films. I see. Interesting. So. Well, especially how, like, woke it is. Yeah, it had some real commentary, fantastic animation, a really cool world. I just feel like in terms of maybe hitting what I'm looking for, that one uh, got there a lot better than those two, even though I like those two as well. So, And that was one of those weird moments, because you tend to have those kind of moments for your how you judge the film is isn't somewhat a reaction to how the the culture reacts to it sometimes i hope i didn't do that with this one <laughs> yeah it doesn't seem to yeah but i like had a mild case that was kind of like wow I'm, I'm stunned at how much people love this do i like it less than i thought i liked it because i definitely don't feel anywhere near the uh exuberant praise of this that so many other folks are throwing towards this including eric who loved it as well but again, it, maybe it's just taste issues, and especially with Lin-Manuel Miranda. It, almost everything he's done, I've had that same reaction. Like Hamilton, I'm just, yeah, I, I just don't think I get it. <laughs> I think, yeah, because I enjoyed, I'm not going to go into the whole like, Hamilton thing, but I think I enjoy it for the music. Um, and like the story it's talking about is interesting. I think the angle that he, so I think it's an interesting musical from like in, in, in what I'm saying. But if you don't get it, I mean, hey, you don't get it. That's perfectly fine. Yeah, and to be fair, I've only listened to the musical version that they have on Disney+. Plus. I don't know if that was, like, maybe not one of the best versions, but I, I feel like the singers especially just did not perform those songs very well. At least in my opinion, I, I know that's interesting. not a normal opinion. But... Very interesting. Fair enough, because those are the, like, actual performers. Like, that's from one of the live, like, the first tours they did of the original cast. So, okay. Very interesting, but again, I'm not gonna be like, "Oh, you're wrong." It's like that's that's your opinion, man. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna change it otherwise. Yeah, and again, maybe I am wrong. I mean, apparently it's it's beloved. So <laughs> yeah. I I hope I'm not drinking the Kool Aid here. I'm just like I enjoyed it. No, no, it's, yeah, I, I I'm I'm positive it's like a taste issue. And I I even heard people saying within Encanto they were like, um, the the unpracticed performances of the singers brought more emotion. And they liked the fact that it wasn't uh, just random pros being brought in that they didn't know. They liked that it had some sort of... Um, they had some sort of relationship with the actors playing them. Interesting. Like, was it John Leguizamo who played uh, Bruno? Yep. I think. Yeah, and I know a lot of people loved that, and they're really happy to see him get a big spotlight. Me, I'm, me and you are, I feel like, in some ways on the same boat of, like, I'd rather just see, you know, people who can sing the songs and voice actors... Who are actual voice actors? I feel like they tend to just translate better yeah. than bringing in regular no, actors. Well, it's it's unfortunate because it's America, and they, you know, to and I understand why to sell a film nowadays you have to have star power. You have to have yeah. sorry name recognition. Excuse me. You have to have talent. You should some. They have to have something behind them. It's like oh hey we have we have these guys, and it just becomes like whatever. Like, goodness gracious me, like, I, I don't care. Yeah, and I, I do like John Leguizamo, but it was just like, ah, uh, like, he was fine in the role, but I feel like, I, I just feel like when I go back to the old Disney movies, 
And sometimes they also indulged in, especially during the Renaissance, bringing in, uh, like, regular actors to try to bring some star power. And you can all blame Robin Williams for that. Uh, yeah. That's that's the original source of all that. Now, I'm not obviously blaming him for that, because, my goodness, there's nobody else who could do the genie. Like, when they wrote that character, they literally had Robin Williams in mind for it. There was, like, mm-hmm. nobody else. So, that's and that's the difference of, like, who is the character based off of? And that's what everybody, I think, fails to realize about, like, the genie, is that there was no other person who they were, like, there was no voice actor. I mean, they, they could be, but, like, they wanted Robin Williams to do it. Like, it was either Robin Williams or not. And and that's that's where we got it. So, but then that led to, you know, it's like, oh, we have to have a celebrity in here just so we can sell the movie. It's like, oh, great. Yeah. Oh, good grief. Oh, spare me this, please. Why? Yeah, and I'm not knocking uh, Leguizamo. I still think he was good enough in that role, but I don't necessarily feel like... Like, I feel like it could have worked better with someone else, but may- maybe that's... <laughs> again, maybe I'm just missing the uh, the touchstone. Yeah, probably, but I-, I agree with you. I would have loved to see what other people could have done. Um, I think with... Um, when I mentioned Turning Red, you know, most of those actors playing the kids were mm-hmm. not celebrities. They were just like you know kids like yeah. also i guess you know actors themselves but like you know not big name role kids like the most you know there was there was like sandra ho who was in there which which or oh sorry um sandra O, oh, which which by the way you know what's so funny about that is that while she's playing like a chinese canadian she's actually korean canadian oh wow i didn't realize mm. that's kind of funny but she absolutely nails like 100% nails the pronunciation of Celine Dion which is hilarious um and then uh they got the 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 master of comedy himself like um James Hong in there as well um oh yes and, and even though he's not Canadian like he's American but I don't care I think he like like brought in like a good performance in that as well even if it was minor Oh, but for uh, Encanto, do you feel like you have much more? I would say I'd recommend it, of course. It's only an hour, 40 minutes long. Uh, yeah, I think it was about the right right amount of length. But I, I could read uh, what they were trying to tell me. So I don't know if there was like, any surprises or whatnot, other than like what the mystery was behind Mitterbell and um, why her grandma's a little bit distressful with her having powers. Um, yeah, I'm, you know, make, make storybooks out of it. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, but I recommend it. I would definitely go back to it. Yeah, and of course I'd recommend it too. I I thought it was really really pretty movie, and uh, yeah, it, it's nice to see Disney making an attempt at these musicals again. I feel like it's uh, I feel like maybe that could help bring the musicals back in general, because I, I they've been dead for so long in a lot of ways. <laughs> and every now and again they'll put they'll put one out. We've had a, a couple last year. Um, but, but really, it's it's not a, a thriving genre, I don't think, in terms of films. Yeah, it's I, I, I tend to find musicals in, in animation to be a lot better. I think, I, I, just because it is, like, you know, heightened. Some people can find, like, you know, musicals on film nowadays, like in live action, a little awkward. And so I'm like, that's where animation can, you know, excel at it, because it's heightened and it's not real, so you can kind of accept it. Yeah, I think that's I think that's too bad. Um, 
because you can really get so much uh, some of those human emotions in terms of seeing people's faces and even though it is like a heightened world it's in its own world I still think there's a lot of magic in those those live action uh, musicals that's fair it depends on how you do like I'm, I'm referring to like cats or uh, Les Miserables Oh, I love Les Mis, the, the that version. I think it was very well done. Cats, of course, you point to one of the worst examples. But, of course. But mind you, that was already a terrible uh, musical to begin with. Of course. In terms of the music. <laughs> and I also did like that uh, adaptation of Les Mis. Yeah, and um, um, even uh, also a West Side Story, I think, was a really well done modern musical. Like the 50s one or the Steven Spielberg one that you were looking at last year? Oh, Spielberg one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like they really brought brought in the, the glitz and glamour and, and tried to bring, uh, like, the aesthetic of that old one back, but just maybe with a slightly sharper uh, narrative. So I was, I was really happy with that one. I didn't I didn't drink the Kool-Aid with everybody with La La Land, but I assumed that one was good. It was okay. That, that one's a weird one. It was, yeah, it was a little bit weak. I was surprised as well to see how much praise it was getting. Of course, these are mainstream ones, by the way. People were uncultured swan, or we're, yeah, we're uncultured knuckleheads, who uh, don't know, who have terrible taste. Oh, I've seen a lot of like, I've seen some more weird underground musicals as well recently. Okay, sorry, I am a uncultured uh, goof, not him. He's a cultured person. Oh, I can't say a lot of the stuff I've seen is good, but I've seen some random weird ones that are somewhat underground. Yes, taste and class, I don't. <laughs> Well, no, no, well, that's you know that's why I'm looking forward to eventually doing that musical series. Get to cover some oh, yeah. more, some more random ones. But, <laughs> but anyway, I guess we should move on from from this. <laughs>